Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the Women Offshore Podcast. This is Ali Cedeno and Christine McMillan. We are both experienced seafarers. And at Women Offshore, we are making waves. The Women Offshore Foundation propels women plus into meaningful careers through access to a worldwide community and professional development resources while raising awareness amongst industry leaders and decision makers about issues affecting women on the water. This podcast is an integral part of our mission, and we appreciate you listening in. New episodes of the Women Offshore podcasts are available every Tuesday. Subscribe on whatever platform you like to listen to podcasts on and be in the know about the latest topics related to diversity, equity, and inclusion within the maritime and offshore industries. Thanks for tuning in. We have another great episode for you today. This episode of the Women Offshore podcast is sponsored by Trackline Search Partners. Trackline is a woman-owned and operated maritime recruitment firm founded by Sheila LaFleur. She was a seagoing mariner just like you. Learn more about Trackline Search Partners at trackline.com. Jenny Johnson is the founder and CEO of Maritime Inclusion Partners. Jenny's pronouns are she and her, and I am excited to share her story with you today. So Jenny, welcome. Thank you, Christine. Thank you for having me. Let's just dive right in. Just go ahead and introduce yourself. And if you want to share a story of how you got your start in the maritime industry, we'd love to hear that. Yeah, sure. Uh, My name is Jenny Johnson. I am the founder and CEO of Maritime Inclusion Partners a newly founded maritime culture consulting service. And I started in the industry about 25 years ago in an unofficial capacity um, as a sea scout when I was 14. So when I out in uh, Portland, Oregon, was a teenager, spent my teenage years heavily involved in scouting. And, you know, I like to tell people I was basically like, you know, tying knots, racing sailboats and chasing and changing out Ray Corps when I was 14. <laughs> Amazing program. It, it, it taught me so much leadership skills and teamwork and, and obviously seamanship, Marlin Spike, all that really cool stuff. So um, I actually never intended on going into the maritime industry professionally, uh, really not knowing anything about it. Like most of us don't, don't know when we're teenagers about the industry of being a mariner. But when I was 19, you know, I was supposed to join the Coast Guard and that didn't work out due to some health issues. And uh, through a series of kind of unfortunate events, I found myself uh, without stable housing and I was unemployed. And I found an ad in the paper for a housekeeper on a small passenger cruise vessel um, on the Columbian Snake Rivers. And when I interviewed, they decided I was probably better for the deck department given my experience in scouting. And so a month or so later, they called me up and hired me to be a deckhand. And that started the beginning of, of eight years of uh, a career at sea um, on various platforms and various ratings all over the world. That's an amazing start. And so through your scouting, I've heard this a couple of times lately, like there's all these adventures that you can go on and I never knew about these things. So can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah. So Sea Scouts. Wow. Like that. I, if I could just duplicate my experience and, and, and give it to others, I, I would. One of the, the coolest things that we did was every summer, 
we spent uh, two weeks on the on the river, on the Columbia River. Wow. And we had a 34 or a 36 foot like Navy utility boat, just like in like with just like a canvas <laughs> covering it, right? And like the helm that just sticks out the hole in the top of the <laughs> canvas. Like we had that, um, you know, obviously there's no head or in there, galley or anything like that. And then we had a um, 29-foot Cascade sailboat. Okay. And we would take that sailboat and we would tow it behind this Navy, retired Navy utility boat all up and down. We'd go all the way up the Columbia River through the locks. And then we'd go back down and go out to Astoria and all this kind of stuff. And and that was like the highlight of our year is, is taking that long cruise. And you only had like a couple of adult leaders on there. So it's basically a bunch of 15, 16 year old girls just like sleeping on the thwart and using the bu- a bucket as a head and yes. cooking out and cleaning. And, and one of the things that I loved was in Astoria, there's um, a really cool maritime museum right there um, at the at the water. And there's also a, a light ship that's also a museum that's moored there that you can go on and the museum let us use the showers in there (laughs) and I was such a nerd like I thought that stuff was so cool that I got to go on this really old light ship and everything was like everything was stainless steel in the shower and it was very like industrial, but I I thought it was awesome. I absolutely (laughs) loved it. I encourage sea scouting for everybody. Yes. I wish that was a part of my childhood and I've heard about it and I love it. I think it's just amazing that there's so many people that have these experiences that are really forming the rest of their lives. Absolutely. It's cool. All right. You just started Maritime Inclusion Partners. Let's just dive right into this. Let's start with the why. Tell me why this is needed. Wow. So, you know, Christine, you and I both, you know, having spent time at sea, we know that our industry has its troubles when it comes to diversity, inclusive environments, all of the above. And as much as I can give the case that, you know, it's just the right thing to do, right? It's just the right thing to do to have these safe, inclusive environments and and make that that case all day long, the ethical case of why um, we need this kind of, of service in the industry. But the flip side of it, which tends to get more attention of people, is it's about sustainability. Mm-hmm. A current state, our industry has not done the work to make itself appealing to younger generations, women, people of color, LGBTQAI, and we're frankly running out of people. And when I look at it full circle, I realize that if we don't do what needs to be done today to change the culture, be attractive and appealing to all of these these potential workers, mariners, and, and develop this workforce so that it becomes sustainable, we run the risk of not having enough people to be able to run the ships that, you know, fall under the Jones Act today. And there's lots of people, you know, on the Hill who would like to see the Jones Act go away, right? You know, so our stuff would get cheaper, but there is a colossal landmine behind what the negatives are if we lose that legislation. 
And so I'm driving towards that. I want to make it to where there is enough people to crew these ships, to keep this legislation in place, which adds to national security and really creates a safer place for, for the country. And so I know I'm, I'm, I'm shooting for the fences here, but that's really why, the why, why I felt the need to launch this, this service to help the rest of the industry. Great. So let's talk about the services that you offer. We will be offering um, vessel culture assessments. So by actively going on board, even riding along when, when possible to observe and kind of absorb the, the culture through day-to-day normal operations, crew interviews, and uh, not only on board, but also having the ability to reach out to folks who aren't actively assigned to a vessel with their company, or maybe they're off, because that tends to create an environment where you can dig a little deeper, they feel a little safer, offering, you know, concerns or even suggestions of how to make change. Crew workshops, so attending crew and officer conferences and conducting workshops on these topics to keep the subject going and make it more comfortable and more relevant to the crew. We do mariner culture policy um, review and advisement. So if you've got active policies around the culture on your vessels, we can review those and make recommendations. If you don't have any, we can kick that off for you and start looking at, at your policies to add that mariner culture perspective. We can also advise on Embark implementation enrollment, as well as safer seas implementation. And then also we can review any of your seagoing development programs. So if you have a cadet shipping program or an apprenticeship program, we can review those programs to make sure that they're inclusive, that they're adding they're to your DEI objectives that I'm hoping you have. If not, we can help you get those. And and also, if you're not taking apprentices or cadets and aren't sure how to do that because of so much confusion in the industry around those programs, we can help with that. We can make it to where it's a, it's a comfortable program for you. And again, that, that goes back to our sustainability. These programs are critical for making sure that we have the Mariner workforce to keep our vessels going and cargo moving. So those are those are the main services. And then also too, I, I'm happy to do any speaking engagements, um, be a panelist, moderator, anything on, on this topic, I'm, I'm happy to do those as well. You are like the one-stop shop for DE&I for companies to come to. And you have the depth and breadth of knowledge within these subjects to really be impactful for these companies to come to you and you can make a tailor-made approach for them. Oh, absolutely. And 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 quite frankly, it's going to have to be tailored because you know, there's a huge difference between what's happening out on a, you know, a tugboat of crew of 6 versus, you know, a tanker, you know, a 24 or a government vessel that has, you know, 120 people on there. It, it's going to vary. Um, and, you know, we can't boil the ocean. But yeah, I, I think that so many operators are, are in, in institutions and institutions and owners are saying, where do we where do we go? Where where can I start? Where can I do this? And you're right, we're going to be that that one stop shop so that people can come and at least get started and have someone that they can get advisement from and have discussions. So many times when I'm, you know, chatting with industry partners and they're like, how, what, how, what, Embark, how would that, how do you do that? How do we put this, you know, and I'm, I'm able to break it down in a let in a way that doesn't feel so overwhelming and insurmountable because looking at it as it is, Embark on both safer seas, they do, it's a lot. 
So you can you can break it down in a way where you're you're handling three or four requirements by doing one thing. You just have to do it in, in a in a thorough way. And um, I love those moments when people are like, "Wow, you've you've made the most sense of this out of anybody I've spoken to." And so that was also part of the drive to be like, I need to make this accessible for everybody in the industry. That's wonderful. So let's take our glasses for a minute and paint your vision of what you see the maritime industry looking like. Wow, my vision for the industry first is for it to reflect the gender demographics of our country. So 50% identifying as female out the gate, Uh, a stronger representation of BIPOC mariners at officer levels, zero LGBTQAI stigma, Mm -hmm. industry consistent parental leave, meaning you can expect the same general terms no matter who you work for, and an increased number of active mariners so organizations could potentially shorten rotations and create more of a work-life balance for their crew. Wow, that all sounds wonderful and very achievable. I think that all of those are definitely possible. And you are the person that we can go to and help build this more sustainable industry through your services. Absolutely. None of this is, you said, it's all achievable. None of it is impossible. Some of it is quite easy, but some of it is not. So it is going to be hard. It's going to require a change in the way that the industry thinks. We're still locked very much into tradition and just the way that things have always been done. And the idea of dissecting it, taking it apart and and making it to where it is a viable career to people who are living in the 21st century Mm-hmm. has never been done. And so that's what I'm asking of companies and, and industry partners is let's start taking this apart bit by bit and making it to where it, it becomes a, a appealing to everybody because current state, I mean, it's just, you know, it's not. And there's there it, it goes beyond, you know, connectivity. Everyone's always wants to land on connectivity and oh, <laughs> they don't want to be a mariner because they can't be away from their phone. And it's I just want to shake them. It's so much more than that. They want to, yeah, we want to be people. They want to be able to have a family and a home life and still do this thing. And, you know, it's 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 all possible. But yeah, it's it's um it's gonna take all of us and it's absolutely doable. Yeah, hundred percent. So what would be your first piece of advice for these companies? How do they start to attract and retain this diverse workforce? So first of all, you know, don't assume that you know what is happening on your vessels. You aren't out there to see any any of it. So you need to accept that there's a chance it's not that great out there, especially mm-hmm. for women and BIPOC and LGBTQAI. And then I encourage them to dive deep into their recruiting and hiring processes. Ask them, ask themselves who's making these final decisions. How are they being made? Can we lower some non-regulatory requirements to make a diverse hire? You got to get them in the door first before you can retain them. So mm-hmm. I, I, I think that there's a lot that can be done in a very simple beginning stage that companies uh, and owners can do to really have an impact in the long term to bring in a more diverse workforce. Great. And so let's flip the table now. And what's your advice for young mariners? You know, I'd want them to recognize that they have more power than they think they do to create change. 
So many times in chatting with former Mariners, uh, reflecting back on when they were just starting out, and all too often they say they didn't recognize the things um, that were being said or happening around them or, or to them. That was just not okay. They, they, they just didn't recognize it. And, you know, you, you come into these environments and you want to assembly. You are really briefed and trained before we get on board. Keep your head down. Just do this, do that. You know, you find yourself, you know, laughing at things that you really actually don't think are funny, but somebody said them and you're like, I don't want these people to like hate me or whatever, especially if you're already coming on as the only, the only woman, the only person of color, right? You're, you're already in a fishbowl. And so understanding that speaking up in those moments is really hard, but they actually carry a lot of power and especially our cisgender white males, right? They, they have the most power in their voice. And, you know, the more the younger generation speaks up and speaks out about the issues with our industry, the faster we're likely to see the change that I think we're all seeking. I love that advice. Thank you. And I can reflect on my own experiences and you're saying exactly what I tell myself these days. So thank you. And yeah. What is one thing that you would love to share with the women offshore community today? I think it's important that in the face of so much negativity surrounding the issues of our industry, uh, it's important for everyone to know that there are folks hard at work to make change. None of this is falling on deaf ears and understand that it's going to take time. It's not an overnight fix. But I believe we will get there. And I believe that active mariners out there now and generations to come will have an amazing, safe and inclusive career at sea. It's just going to take us some time. Thank you, Jenny. How do people get in touch with you? So the website is up. So MaritimeInclusionPartners.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn and send me a message and follow what we have going on there. We're not currently on any other social platforms, but they are coming. So if you follow me on LinkedIn, stay queued in on the website. You can sign up for a mailing list um, when you go on there. Um, and then you can also use contact me through that website. And, and we'll be able to get some more social things going as we grow. And you'll, you'll be able to see those on there. Thank you for being such an amazing force for change and for positivity and making waves in the industry in the right way. And you're always an inspiration. Thank you so much. Thank you, Christine. It was great being with you today. Thanks for tuning in to the Women Offshore podcast. Come back next Tuesday for another new episode. If you want to propel Women Offshore forward, visit womenoffshore.shop. Make a donation or purchase some swag. Until next time, stay safe out there and we will talk to you soon.